Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's Ashley. And it's Brittany. And you're listening to More Than a Season podcast. Welcome. Welcome, Playmakers. If you're new here, thanks so much for choosing us and stopping by. We really aren't that bad, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully you learned something along the way, but we are a podcast for significant others in the sports industry or just somebody who supports someone in the sports industry or just somebody who enjoys sports. And we hope to offer you an inside look and a behind the scenes look and also just provide you maybe some tips or tricks to live in this lifestyle. Yeah, so if you have a friend that is in this industry, bring them along because the more the merrier. We have been growing this community going a little over two-ish years now, and it has just been amazing to see how much growth and community that has been built um, over these past couple years, but welcome, welcome. We're happy you're here. We are, and if you didn't know this, usually week by week we are going over our past game from the past mm-hmm. weekend. And so this past weekend, thank goodness, we won. We got back on track. If you listened to our episode last week, we unfortunately had our first loss against LSU, but we came back. We beat Bowling Green this past weekend, and we had a really fun but hot time. Oh my gosh, it was so hot. I actually can't complain, though, because I got there a little bit late. My travel plans were a little crazy getting back from Boston. I've actually never had a flight get canceled without any other options, like for the rest of the day. And so spending the night in Atlanta just was a little chaotic. I've never had to do that before. So that was a learning experience. It's hard. It's really tough. And it's frustrating because you just feel like you wish you could do something else. And you look at all the other options. Like I know you're even looking at like driving back. Like you're just like, I just want to be home in my own bed. Yeah, it was nuts that we we kind of banded together like a little family on the flight. They were very, very kind because, I mean, everyone's coming here like to Starkville. So it's it's not like we're just going different ways. And so I met this lady and she's like, hey, which looking back, probably not smart of me. Like all my crime podcasts told me probably shouldn't have done this, but I wanted to get home so bad. She was like, hey, let's split a rental car. And we can drive back from Atlanta together because it's only about four and a half hours. And I said, you know what? That sounds great. I was like, that is great. But then there was no rental cars and it was going to be like $700 to drive it literally one way. Yeah, it's not worth it. Yeah. So then I ended up spending the night in the hotel and then woke up, couldn't really sleep, and then came home and you gained that hour back. So it was still 8 a.m. like when I landed, but I came to the game. I feel like I wasn't that late. No, you were like right after it was the like first, first quarter. quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Which that first quarter was really long anyway. So it worked out perfectly. But we were baking in the sun, I feel like. So you're probably lucky that you weren't there. I know. At the beginning. <laughs> One of our friends, Mary Cameron, Brittany and I were laughing because she got baked like by the sun only on the right side of her body. <laughs> and so it was, I don't know why, it must have been the reflection off the bleachers, but she was a little toasty. I know. I felt really bad because that's the worst feeling too, like just getting baked on one side because you're like, dang, I'm not even even. I'm not evenly uncomfortable. <laughs> this is so frustrating. But we did win and we also enjoyed some really good lemonade because at our games, they offer alcoholic beverages, which is awesome. I don't know if they did this pre-COVID. We've talked about this before, but I don't know if they did this pre-COVID, but I love the fact that they offer drinks at stadiums now Mm -hmm. because it is just so nice. But our options, we've really got to step those up. I mean, we have 
beer mm-hmm. and black cherry which is hard the worst, seltzer the worst flavor it it's, should be exiled from it's the family. literally the worst flavor <laughs> and it's bud light seltzer so they couldn't even like spring for the high noon yeah or the white claw <laughs> or the truly like they had to go bud light seltzer and, and black cherry is just like doesn't fit in with the group no it's, it's like not, the ugly step child yeah so the ugly like, yes that's the way to put it it is it's like no one wants the black cherry flavor it's like who's gonna take one for the team and drink the black cherry out of this you know variety pack it's always left at the bottom of the cooler but yeah yeah, so we just didn't we just didn't want it and so there's these giant these giant lemonades that are like freshly squeezed and it's so funny the line is so long to get these lemonades pretty sure they're 10 bucks but we um got some lemonade and some water but we do have a solution hopefully coming in the future because our interview that we have today Mm -hmm. is talking about canned wine but she is making a little spin on it with an innovative way so we interviewed caitlin coming up here and she is an nfl significant other and she created her own company called just enough wine you know it's important because when you open a bottle of wine you don't want to drink the entire thing or maybe you do maybe you want to drink the entire yeah, no thing. judgment here yeah no judgment on Mm-mm. that but usually when I open a bottle of wine personally I want like a glass or a glass and a half and this just enough wine can is one and a half glasses and it's a can of wine but it's actually a good quality wine versus I feel like when you see a lot of canned wines like I think in your head you're like eh, this can't be that good of quality yeah I think of college when you're like I have 10 bucks to spare what am I gonna get and this is not it this is totally superior we're really excited to try it um, and we'll share it with you as soon as we get the samples but she has a variety something for everyone and you'll learn a ton about the wine industry because if you're like me a red is a red a white is a white I don't know about any fluff in between but she makes it really simple (laughs) to help you out (laughs) yeah and then she also talks all about being of course in the sports industry they went from college to the end NFL and so she talks about that and gives us kind of the rundown of what is different and what they have experienced so far and if you are looking to start your own business she also talks about the beginning stages of starting a business so it's a really good episode we hope you enjoy and we'll see you on the other side Hey, Playmakers, what's going on? Hello, welcome back, friends. Welcome back. We're so excited. Uh, Brittany and I haven't seen each other in a very long time, so we are back in action (laughs) doing a podcast and recording, but we are so excited about this episode because it's a sport that we have never interviewed before, and it's about dang time, so I don't want to waste any more time, and we're going to toss it on over to our guest and let her introduce herself. Hello, everyone. My name is Michaela. I am the wife of a assistant golf coach, so we'll be talking about the golf world today. My husband's name is Jace. We are at Marquette University currently. Um, he's in his second year of coaching. Prior to that, he was playing professionally, so we kind of have both sides of it, um, and he played in college as well. So all through that, we've been together for 13 years. So I've seen him play in college, play professionally, and now on the coaching side. Oh wow. my gosh, 13 years. Okay, so let's back it up. How did you guys meet? <laughs> did you meet in college then, if you guys have known each other through that phase? Yes, we did meet in college. Actually, I worked at the golf course. So I love that. fancy meeting him there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so 
I worked at the golf course and I was working, it was actually a tournament called the Drunken Scramble. So it was just a university public golf course, nothing like country club or anything like that. And so I did the Bev cart and doing a tournament because it was like a big money tournament. And so I was all excited. It was my 21st birthday weekend. I was like, yes, I'm going to make a bunch of money. Then we're going to go out and have fun. (laughs) And so his golf coach was playing. So we both went to University of Missouri. So his coach was playing in the tournament for the weekend. It was before another big tournament. It was just like the fun evening before. So he had wanted to stop by and say hi to his coach. And so he was driving around and we got introduced to each other. And then come to find out he knew a few of people in my family. My brother and my sister were also in the golf industry. And so he ended up getting my number from them and then met me out on my 21st birthday. So The rest was history. We stayed together. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I'm just thinking of golf because first off, golf is one of the toughest sports in my opinion, because I mean, I just I can't even I'd go on a rant if I start talking about my own golf game. But with that, when you're when you are 21 years old, you meet your future husband. Did you ever think that you would be spending your days at the golf course 18 holes, different courses. I just, I think about that and, you know, the game, it can be very long. And so with that, what were you, what was kind of the first couple of seasons with that transition? What was that like for you? Yeah, exactly. I was 21. I, I worked at the golf course, but I knew nothing about, I mean, I've watched professional golf on TV, but I really knew nothing about golf in the golf world. So we met and in the summer college golfers go play their own little tournaments. So they have a a schedule that they play on their own in the summer. So my birthday's in June. So he, we met and then he left like right away. I was like, well, this is really going to suck. Like, I don't (laughs) like, when are we ever going to see each other? He would be gone for a few weeks because they would kind of stagger their tournaments back to back. So he would be gone and so that we kind of just had to have a relationship through the phone to start. And then when he would come back in town, I'd be like, yes, it's going to be all me. No, <laughs> he would be at the golf course again <laughs> all, all day long, all the time. And it was his practice, but it was his, his summer job was to go out and practice all day. So he would practice sun up to sundown all the time. So it was tough. So traveling at first, I really wasn't used to it. I didn't really know if I liked him doing it. But then I started to get used to it. And he we got into his college season. And I would travel to go to some of the closer tournaments. His parents always went to the tournaments. And then my dad would travel with me to go watch him play. Not like not to give him a big head, but he was a really, really good college golfer. So it was really easy to watch him because he won all the time. (laughs) So um, it was like, oh, you know, you don't have to like scroll down the leaderboard when you're watching online. He was always at the top. So it was always nice because he always just had like an aura about him on the golf course that you're like, oh, I don't mind being outside for five hours because he's enjoying it. I'm outside. I get some sun, exercise. So I started to get used to it and I really started to like it. So did I think this is what my life would be? Absolutely not. (laughs) Um, But I do love it because he loves it. So I can't imagine him with a desk job that I'm sure you guys are the same way. Mm -hmm. It just wouldn't be in the cards for us. So 
obviously between that first couple of years and now we've gone through way more, but I do love still going and watching the tournament. It's just, it's really peaceful to me. Um, I feel like the safest and like my best just walking the golf course. Amazing. I feel like that would be so hard to, to have a sport that he's obviously playing professionally or, you know, in college at the time, but then also a lot of people, that's like their pastime, right? Like that's how they like blow off Mm -hmm. steam with like their friends. So not only is he doing, you know, practice and then tournaments and stuff, but I'm sure people were like, Hey, let's go golfing. And they want to go golfing with him too. (laughs) Like how much of that did he have as well or has now where a lot of that is just, you know, casual for fun mixed in with like the actual serious work of being a coach or a player yeah I'm I don't and he would you know know better than me I don't know how many rounds he plays for fun anymore (laughs) um you know like it's it's uh it happened all the time and that's one of the reasons why we left um we stayed in Columbia he's one year younger than me and then he also redshirted. So he had two more years in college. So we stayed around in Columbia for a little while. And I was still working at the golf course after that time. And everyone was like, well, where's Jace? What Jace tournament's Jason? What is Jace doing? When's he going to be home? Can he help me? And I'm just like, no, he kind of <laughs> been going. Um, and so that happened all the time, literally everyone. And that was kind of one of the things that made me want to get out of Columbia because it was everyone knew who he was so then it turned into asking me and I was like hey I'm a person too so (laughs) I was like can we get out of here I'm like kind of over him being like the little town celebrity for golf (laughs) because he you know people would ask all the time or like have their want their kids to play with them and all this stuff so um, and it still happens too, but now he has more free time to do it. And so he doesn't mind. Yeah. I'm just so curious because even thinking about everything you just said, that is a lot of time commitment to be able to be all those places and wear all those hats all at the same time, especially from a young age. And with golf, I would love for the listeners to hear what that process looks like, because I am feeling like you have to be very young starting out with golf to become very good and to be competitive, um, just like some of the sports um, that we interview as well. But I don't know if that's a myth or that's actually truth. So with the process of recruiting in college for golf, and then also going to play, whether it be for the PGA Tour or different things to get your pro card, what do you have to do? And where do they find these players? Yeah, so I guess I'll start kind of from when they're young. It really just depends. Most players that go on to play in college have probably started before high school. I mean, you could like Jace, my husband started when he was three, they lived on a golf course and his, he had three older siblings that all played golf. So they would just take him out. Like that was like, you know, everyday occurrence, just go out on the golf course. So he's been playing for a really long time and he was good really early on. So he played in junior tournaments and stuff, but not everybody does that because they don't know what sport they want to play when they're younger. And to kids and to me, honestly, sometimes golf is boring. <laughs> You're out there for so, so long. So like attention span for kids is not a lot. So they, you know, not a lot of kids play golf, um, especially a lot of girls. So it's one thing to like find the players, but especially if a female Marquette doesn't have a women's team, but a lot of colleges do, especially as a female, I would, I highly recommend people to get their daughters into golf because 
there's not a lot of women golfers and they could, you know, go into college doing that. So they'll play junior things. Um, a lot of schools also don't have golf teams until high school. So they just have to do their own tournaments, pay for it. It's so expensive. You have to have the country club membership. You have to pay for all your wow. clubs, all your balls, tournament entry fees, travel. You know, it's just different than a lot of sports. You have to just kind of make your own way. So in doing that, you just hope you get into the right tournament and you play well at the right time. And so that's how you'll get good, you know, get your name out there as a junior golfer is just, you know, playing in the right events. There's certain ones that are, you know, a little higher that everyone watches and knows that those are the best players. And then in high school, hopefully, you know, you do well, go to state and all of that stuff. So for recruiting, it's so different than other sports. For golf, there's no film study, you can't watch a game, you can't (laughs) do any of that from home. So like, you have to go out and watch a player. Wow. Also too, like every golf course is different. So you're not playing on the same football field, the same basketball court. So it's just a lot different because you have to go out and like physically watch somebody. My husband is out recruiting now. He left for Louisiana today. So he is gone. He's out for a tournament for a few days. And so, you know, It depends on what you're looking for. If you watch somebody for a few holes or maybe you're like, okay, I saw something today. I want to go watch them tomorrow. And then you just see how they play. Golf's funny. You can, you can play really well one day and then the next day you play terrible. So it's, it's just a lot of rounds watched because you have to see how they handle themselves and a lot of stuff goes into it. It's not just, you know, being a good player, scoring well, there's a lot of mannerisms and, and stuff, golf etiquette, you know, that they also watch out for. That's so interesting. I didn't even think about that with recruiting either. I thought like, yeah, they could just send in like film or tape of them, but that makes sense. Of course, like they need to see them on the course and they need to see other things than just like what they would present on a film. So I'm assuming recruiting season might be a little bit more crazy for you than than regular season because he's probably gone quite a bit going to see different players. Yeah, so it just depends. I think that's one of the hardest things is I don't really really know when he's going to be gone. And recruiting is mainly in the summer. Um, it's sprinkled in randomly throughout the year too. So, and it like I said, it's not just going to watch one game. It's for the full tournament, which could be three to four days depending on the tournament. So. It just all varies on who's playing where and, you know, who they're looking at to go watch them. So golf also recruits internationally. So he could randomly be like, going to Germany, you know, so it's like, that's also a lot different too, because they take a lot of international students for golf. So do you ever tag along? I have. I did last year. We're new into the coaching, but I did enjoy it. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> I, we, I did tag along to the Germany trip, so um, that was fun, but it's work for him. So, you know, it's like they were still tied to one little spot. I'm not like on a grand European vacation or anything, but <laughs> and it's still I go out. I'll just watch golf and walk along, too, because I don't want to be by myself all the time. So that, you know, that is a little different, too, for recruiting as well. So there's a lot that goes into it for golf and they have to constantly watch players year round to to see how they're playing. 
Wow. I'm just thinking about that. I, I didn't even think about even the course, like every course is probably ranked with a different level of difficulty and the weather I feel like could make a big impact too, based on how someone plays, but I'm all processing this because I didn't even think about those kinds of things. And with your job and your, um, just your own thing that you're doing on when he's gone and he's coaching and day to day, what does that look like? Because obviously you have a crazy schedule just as much as he does. (laughs) Yeah. So I got lucky in that I, when we moved here before I was doing corporate things, you know, when he was playing professionally, I was, you know, trying to just make enough money for both of us. Um, It was like really tough. So I was just like, okay, I need to get my next promotion. I need to like climb the ladder as much as I could. Um, And then when we found out we were going, he was going to switch and start coaching. It was like a 20 day period. It was like the interview you're hired. He moved across the country. And so In doing that, I was like, well, I am moving across the country for you and I'm moving north, which I said I would never do. (laughs) We we were in Texas before, so um, it's a big deal. Yeah. So I just kind of took my time and I landed, Mm -hmm. I've I've taken pure bar classes, which is a fitness class for um, years um, down in Texas. And I worked there part time and So there was a studio here and I was like, let me, I'm just going to work there for now and just see how it goes. And so ended up keeping that and making it my full-time job. So it's luckily flexible. And then, um, you know, I teach classes, but it's not like all the time. They're just an hour classes. And so I've been really lucky to be able to get off whenever I want to by just like planning ahead a little bit. Last minute things are hard, but it's, you know, been mostly doable. So I have a lot of flexibility in my schedule to be able to either travel with him, or just have the days to get stuff done at home, because that's a lot too. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It's a lot. (laughs) I'm so curious, what does what does an off season look like? Or when is the off season? What does that look like for you guys? So there's the boys obviously for the school go home for the summer, but then he's recruiting all summer, right? They play tournaments. Another weird thing about golf, it's all year long. They play tournaments in the fall. So they play about five tournaments in the fall. And then they play about five in the spring you but how do they play in like snow you guys are in Wisconsin how do they play in the fall everywhere is a traveling so in the fall they will stay for here they stay close up kind of up north or stay midwest areas sometimes it is freezing and sometimes it could snow um that's happened uh and then in the spring they do mostly southern tournaments so it was nice they go to Puerto Rico so I did tag along for that one one year So they go south. So all the spring uh, stuff, because like I said, it's just, it's cold here for a long time. So they travel, do a winter trip to go to Florida or Arizona to practice, but they have an indoor facility here that they can hit balls and practice in as well when it is snowing here. Gotcha. So do you ever get a time off? Like for us, we have July off mostly, the most of the month of July. Do you guys get any of that kind of like where it's designated? few weeks off there's nothing really set they do have a dead period it's like December I think okay so there is like a little dead period I don't nest I don't know my husband's a workaholic so he's <laughs> like, probably <laughs> yeah like like you know mind is still rolling mm-hmm. so they do have a little bit of time 
December and January are slow, slower for them. They don't play any tournaments and the kids are home for their break. So that, that gives them a little bit of time. That makes sense. Well, with all that to say, I think that some of the things of golf, just hearing from just the process, just all of it is so much more different than our world. (laughs) And I will say with football, it's very much by word of mouth for job opportunities and things like that. It's about who you know, um, where you're going next is basically like you're hopping from position to position trying to keep increasing um, your Mm -hmm. level and your role. So with golf, uh, what type of process is that? And what is deemed as becoming the head coach or the head of the program? Um, How do you get to that role? Yeah, so like, we've only been in the coaching world for two years. So we haven't made any transitions at this point. But so for him to start out, I mean, he just started he you know, was like, I think I'm going to, you know, try. And Mm -hmm. he actually started looking at schools and just filling out applications. So he was just applying. And then after, you know, you get in contact with a few head coaches, again, word of mouth spreads, you know, Mm -hmm. out. So if one position is already full, they'll be like, hey, I gave your name to so and so or, you know, whatever. So it's different. There's only typically two coaches, there's a head coach, and then the assistant coach. So it's not like a big panel or like a lot of, you know, it's just like the one head coach that's in charge of the program. Some schools have a director of golf, which that's if they have a men's and women's team, they'll have that position. It is changing this summer. Schools will start to be able to have three coaches. So that is big news for this summer. So there could be a lot of changes in the college, like coaching world for golf because They've always only had two coaches and now they can add a third. So two assistants, which will be most of the school, like SEC schools and the like bigger, bigger schools will be able to afford that and do that. So it's just bringing up a lot more positions that are going to be available. Typically, you'll stay, I'm sure it's the same. You stay, you know, for a few years, you know, work as an assistant you might hop to a different school if you're not at like an SEC school or one of like the Big 12 or something, you know, one of the bigger conferences. Um, you might hop to that first as an assistant. And then really, it's kind of hard to transition into the head coaching role. Coaches stay for a really long time. So um, it's kind of like retirement or something, you know, so you just kind of have to feel it out and wait until any of the head coaching jobs become available. And I'm sure that is all word of mouth and, you know, headhunting and recruiting and all that for those positions. But you do kind of have to keep your ears open just to hear like what could potentially be available and if it's a school that's a good fit for you. That's so interesting. So we kind of have a backwards we do it backwards, I guess. It's more like you interview for the job and then you apply. <laughs> So yeah, once you already like kind of get the job, you interview for it and then you kind of apply to like put your application in. But I know that I see a lot of like applications at some of the like high school levels and things like that. But I think as you kind of get higher in college football, it ends up kind of just being more word of mouth. So I think that's so interesting always to find out the differences between the sports and kind of how things work on a different level. And, you know, you have to like put all those applications. So that's good for him though. Like he has to put all those applications out because when Drew is how to do his resume, he's like, how do I do this? Like, you've I know. done these more than me, so help me. <laughs> yeah, it, 
It is. And they, yeah, it's just not their world. Yeah. Um, so yes, it is. It is a lot when you're like, oh, what do I do? Like, how do I do this? And yeah, for me, apply, like applying for jobs is not fun. It takes for, like four hours. You're like, why is this yeah. so long? So, long. Um, so, <laughs> so yes, it is like some work, but you, you know, you're trying to advance, like you said, like yeah. ultimate goal is to be the head coach somewhere and, you know, be at a school that is going to win. That's, you know, what your goal is. So you do have to, you know, while we love where we are, and I'm sure like that's for a lot of people, you love where you are, but you do have to think about that in mm -hmm. the back of your head that, mm -hmm. you know, maybe I can't pass up this opportunity now because it might not become available for a few, few years down the road. So it's just something to always consider. Yeah, I, I start to think about all the pressure that comes with doing sports and a lot of sports are team sports. And I will think about when I start to think about golf, I think about how much of a solo sport that must feel like, even though you're on a team when you're in college, your performance is based off of how you act solo out on the course. And with that, I feel like there's always going to be parents or fans, fans, quote unquote, if <laughs> you are at an age that you can have fans um, in, in just the tournaments and in that style, just to bring on that pressure and that expectation of performance. And so with your experience of seeing different tournaments, are the parents pretty intense with their kids because this is a lot of money investment um, into the sport? Or do you see a mix of both where maybe they're a little laid back and just want them to enjoy the sport? <laughs> it is definitely a mix. I always like remember one story of like Jace was doing qualifier for the U.S. Open Mm -hmm. And he was still in college. So he was still an amateur and there he was playing with somebody who was like four or five years older, but already a professional. And that mom was talking to me. And I think my mother-in-law, she wasn't my mother-in-law at the time, but it was kind of just like, I can't believe he would be out here to take a spot away from somebody that's trying to earn money. And you're just kind of like, whoa. Like he's just, he wants to make it too. Like it was just kind of crazy. I was like, okay, this is definitely not how I want to ever act or be. And I, I just didn't like it. I was just kind of like, okay, everyone, you know, that's the whole point of the U S open is amateurs can qualify in for it. So this isn't where your son should be. Then maybe, you know, you should try something different. But so that always stuck with me as just like a story. I'm just like, wow. But so far in the college world, I'm sure there is a wide range. I'm, I know there is because I've seen it with when Jace was playing in college as well. But the parents that I interact with, and maybe it's because I'm the assistant coach's wife, but um, they're always so awesome that, that they're so supportive here. And I actually catch myself all like, intend to walk with one player for the day and then I'm like jib jabbing like all over the place with one mom and I'm like oops that was like two hours of my time <laughs> so I actually love it um I, I I enjoy it and they're really supportive this team that we're with now has a lot of parents that actually travel so they also go to a lot of the tournaments as well so they're just wanting you know they're just really supportive here but I'm sure there are some monster parents that you know, yell at their kids or anything, but um, we don't have that where we're at. That's so oh, that's fun, good. though, that you get to like experience that with the with the families as well, and you get kind of that one on one time too to like 
walk with them and talk with them and get to know them. I think that's such a unique part of being in college too, is you get to see a lot of the parents because a lot of them do travel to to different mm-hmm. games, but that's awesome. So when he was playing, again, Ashley mentioned it's like a solo sport. So did he, when he did poorly on the golf course, how did he react at home? Was he like, did he take that out on himself a lot? Was he really hard on himself? I feel like that would be the tough part of being like, you know, a part of a team in college, but then also you are solo. Like that is on you. Everyone's watching you. How did he react when he maybe didn't do as well? Yeah. So he's really good about it. Um, I mean, obviously like I can tell it, even just in our personal life, if something is not like going, you know, the way that he envisions, he, he retracts and he's just like silent. So um, that's typically how he would handle it. He does not luckily like get angry on the golf course. I do, however, but he does not. Um, So he would always just kind of bottle it up and hold it and then like crush it the next day. So he just kind of all, he played all, you know, all the time. So he just kind of knew like, Hey, okay, that's behind me. Now I have to look at the next day. Um, And I think that's what a lot of their mindset is. Like I said earlier, like it's golf is just so weird. You can shoot 65 one day and 85 the next because mindset is a big thing for golf so it's you just kind of have to like kind of mentally know that it's it's a tough sport and that the next day could just be completely different for you and a different outcome we kind of laughed at Ted Lasso's stuff with just like be a goldfish we're like (laughs) so we say that all the time now we're like be a goldfish because they have no memory so it's just like let it go and you kind of just have to move on yeah, I feel like a goldfish sometimes without trying. <laughs> so it's, it's all good. I think I need to do that with golf as well. I'm thinking about just the community that you must be a part of because it is, um, even though it's a big sport, it's a small community. And I feel like in the college world, you would start to see the same people at some of these tournaments. So how have you found your community within golf? And have you met any other coaches' wives or any type of... Um, significant other that you've connected with yeah so we do we see a lot of the same teams it's kind of a little different too we don't play the same schools every tournament so we don't even we're in the big east conference and we rarely play them except at the conference tournament so you kind of go through and you'll meet either the same same parents or a few coaches wives I kind of lean on our head coach's wife a lot since this is our first time Being in this environment, um, she's kind of helped me just understand like, okay, going to the first tournament, I I was on the mindset of like, I have to watch every hole. I have to be out there. Well, it's five players. And that's like more than, you know, one player takes over four hours. Uh, Watching all five finishes, like six hours. And so I'm like all stressed out and you know, we have, there was a couple of coaches wives to that tournament and, you know, they're like, no, we sit down, we have lunch, a couple <laughs> order drinks. I'm like, oh, okay. Huge weight lifted off. I'm like, okay, good. I didn't want to walk for six hours, <laughs> but so I, you know, we, ha- I have met a few other people through her and then um, just with Marquette family, just meeting other coaches wives. And I will say that you guys inspired me to just kind of reach out more because we didn't, you know, when I first came in, it's like, you know, everyone kind of has their own people that they've met prior. And so I'm really starting, you know, I really want to get like all the coaches wives together, significant others together, 
Um, we do group things a lot, but um, that is one of my goals is just to like try to get that together so we can connect even more. Um, I think it's so important to have people that you can just like relax and talk with and to understand your world without having to like watch what you say. And so that's something that I would really, you know, really want to do in the next in the next few months here. That's awesome. I love that. That makes us so happy. I feel like that's just I mean, that's the reason that we do all of this, of course, and host events as well, because we want to get to know people. And, you know, everywhere you move to, you might know someone maybe not even in your sport, but at least in the sports industry that gets what you're going through. Okay, we've got to ask about the Netflix uh, full swing series. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because I feel like that, well, I feel like that kind of brought like a real housewives vibe to golf, right? (laughs) Like that kind of gave people that enjoy reality TV, like myself, and people that enjoy sports, right? You kind of had like a little bit of a combo. So how much of that do you think brought exposure to the golf industry and this golf sport? And how much do you think that brought negative <laughs> negative exposure to the golf sport or maybe brought things to light that people didn't understand or know? Yeah, I guess I will say about that series in particular, I'm the same, love reality TV. And so I think <laughs> as females, we're like, yeah, I want to see their home life. I don't really care what they do on the golf course. I want to see like how they're they how they are at home. And so that's why I enjoyed watching it. I'm like, oh yeah, we've been through that or that. But I will say the most of the episodes and most of the people on that show are the top 1% of golf. So it adds everyone doesn't have a mega mansion and travel in private planes um, in the golf industry. A lot of them are paying their own ways around and carpooling like literally driving across the country with each other so I that is um one thing that I would you know notice I'm like well everyone's gonna think that all these golfers mm-hmm. are multimillionaires, mm-hmm. which a lot of them are but a lot don't live that way and so you know it it was an exposure to like bring the real world to, of golf around um I think it does make people more interested. I think all this like live golf and PGA tour and all of that makes people more interested too. I think that the a lot of people like you said it's a leisurely sport. So a lot of people already followed it anyways. I think it just the Netflix series probably brought about a lot of females on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. agree. It definitely made me it it brought to light some things that I had no clue about. And I think it was more interesting to see, like you mentioned, their home lives, because I feel like that's always the interesting part of like how they live outside of the sport, because we see that on ESPN most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was fortunate enough to go to a tournament. And when I went and watched one of these tournaments, there was a lot of golf etiquette that I didn't even notice from watching on TV, um, a lot of things besides being quiet, um, there was just a lot of ways that the players interacted with each other or the caddies did interact with each other. And so tell us like the first golf etiquette piece, like that you have come to your mind when I ask you this question, because I feel like there's a lot you don't see on TV. I probably break a lot of rules too. (laughs) I would the first like you said first thing that came to my mind is just being aware of where you're at don't move when someone's in their back swing or even approaching the ball they get thrown off by like a lot of things so just stand still when they're about to hit the ball also pay attention where you are because a group behind you could be hitting the ball 
and it could hit you. My mother-in-law's been hit on the golf course. Uh, we were just at a tournament where somebody got hit. So like, you just have to be aware of not just who you're following, but the groups around you too, because the ball will come flying. It's inevitable. So, um, and they don't hit the fairway all the time. So even if you're on the cart path, it can get to you. So that's my first thing is just being aware of where you're at. I wouldn't even say like, you can talk on the golf course. I mean, obviously just hush when they're about to swing. Same thing with don't moving. But I think being aware of where you are is like the biggest thing. It's so weird. It's so little, but like not standing when they're putt, you know, in their putt line. So if you're around the green, like, and they're putting at you, like move to the side. So they're not, you're not in their putt lines, crazy stuff like that. So um, you do have to still pay attention while you're out there. I can't say I do all the time, <laughs> but <laughs> sometimes I get a little spacey out there, but that's like my main thing is just being aware of who the you know the players around you. No, that's it. good. You've taught us so much. I feel like already we already we're already ready to go play now. No, I'm just kidding. come and watch. <laughs> we're ready to watch. Yeah, that's that's yeah. more yeah. like it. Um, yeah. So we asked this at the end of every single interview. If you could go back in time and tell your younger self, just getting started in this industry, one thing you know now, what would you say? I think that it would just be like you do you. You're not going to please everybody, and I think that I didn't know that early on. I was just trying to get, you know, a better job, better clothes, better this, better that. In reality, like no one knows, you know, no one really knows what you do, really. Like, you know, no one really knows what your actual job is most of the time. Um, no one cares what you're wearing. Like no, like no one really thinks about you. So you do you and you worry about your four walls and your family. Um, and I think that's what will benefit you the most in life. Yeah, that's a really good answer and such a good reminder. And I know that the community, I mean, you've opened our eyes to golf and just in so many different ways, golf is in its own section of a sport, but then there's so many similarities that I know that everyone can relate to in some way, especially the community aspect. And we appreciate you coming on here and sharing everything there is about golf and I'm sure we're going to keep up with your journey and you'll have to send us pictures when you're living your best life on one of the courses for one of the days um, but we appreciate your time so much and thank you for um, coming on yes thank you so much and thank you to everyone that's listening and we'll see you next time bye thank you so much for listening to this episode on more than a season podcast you can follow us on Instagram at more than a season podcast or on TikTok at more than a season for the latest updates if you if you have enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, and leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on More Than a Season Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season Podcast or on TikTok at More Than a Season for the latest updates. If you have enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, and leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.